for our scripture reading, and I'm going to begin reading here with verse 26. I'm sure this is a familiar passage of scripture. Your pastor has no doubt used this passage as many as others have. Verse 26, and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. When he went forth to, uh, to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God the Most High? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. He was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. They besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain. They besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man, ran into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told him in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done, came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. They also which saw it, so it told him by what means he had he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Thank you for standing with us. You may be seated as you'd like to, or if you want to, just stand up with me. Won't matter of it in the world. But anyway, most of you are familiar, and I've already said this, with this passage of Scripture. But uh, back in verse 22 to verse 25, verse 25, we see Jesus here on the troubled waters. The Bible tells us this is on the lake of Genesaret and sometimes this place is called the little sea of Galilee. But here, uh, as Jesus calms the waters, here uh, in verses 2 to verse 25, we see this. But now, here in verse 26, we read in your hearing this morning, he comes to the country here of the Gadarenes. Now, this is where, if you study back in the Old Testament, you know that the tribe of Gad and a couple of more tribes and a half a tribe here, they took their inheritance 
that's on the east side of the Jordan River. Well, Gad is one of those tribes. Now, here we have the Gadarenes, and this is literally, if you study the Bible history concerning this, this is uh, the place here where Gad has taken, uh, the tribe of Gad has taken their inheritance. And as Jesus gets off of this little boat or this little ship it's called here, immediately the Bible tells us that he's met by a man that's possessed of demons. He's full of the devil, in other words. You saw people around, even around churches that sometimes you think, boy, that person's full of the devil. I saw them get all upset and tore up in different places around the years. I, I did get to pastor for about 42 years and four months, and, and I preached somewhere about all time now, about every service, especially on the, on the Lord's Day. But anyway, here he's full of the devil. The Bible tells us he's possessed of demons. And, oh, God says that this poor man, as you study this, this poor man, he has dwelt in the tombs for some time. The Bible says that he couldn't be, uh, that he couldn't be bound with ropes. He couldn't even be bound with the chains. He would, he would break them to pieces. He's so full of the demons and full of the devil. This man is a powerful man physically, according, according to the Word of God. And there's still some out there, and we know that they are. Lost people can be possessed of the devil. I know the Scriptures bears it out that the devil, he doesn't have any more occupancy in the, in the heart of the child of God. But listen, folks, we can still get some that's pretty mean sometimes, can't we? Because the devil seems to be, I guess he's leaving, but he don't want to leave real, real quiet. But here the Bible says that this man couldn't be tamed. And in Mark chapter 5, we have this same story, but just in a little difference in, in the words. But uh, the Bible says he couldn't be tamed. These demons, the Word of God tells us here, they asked Jesus to let them uh, enter into this herd of swine. Now, Mark gives us how many, how many hogs is there. He said there are about 2,000 swine, or 2,000 hogs, as most of us would call them. But Mark said there's about 2,000 of them. But, but uh, the demons asked Jesus to let them enter in there. And uh, I, I never have read anywhere in the Scriptures where that Jesus gives the demons or, or the devils or anything anybody uh, what they want. But here, Jesus already knew, Pastor, what's going to happen to these hogs. He knew they was going to they was going to run off of a steep place. He knew they was going to the little lake of Genesaret, and they were going to be drowned in that water. And these demons was going into the deep anyhow, as he told them here in this passage of Scripture. But uh, when the city folk came out after this man, uh, you know, he had been... Uh, tamed by the Lord Jesus, and he wasn't wild anymore. He wasn't full of the devil. Hey, you know that's what happens when you get saved. Hey, the devil has to move out, don't he? And there's somebody else moved in that. But when these city folk came out to see what had happened to this man, they saw this used-to-be wild man. He's now tamed. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's put his clothes on. And hey, I think he's talking right, and somebody said, spit and white. I think with all my heart, this man got right with God. But it tells us here he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed. He's in his right mind. He's not He's not going through the street 
beats a person and a screaming and a wild man anymore, making and wearing old clothes, but he's got his clothes on. But as Jesus starts to leave, the Bible tells us this man wants to go with Jesus. Ain't that just right? I didn't hear nothing about the house of God before I got saved in 1959. But, hey, that's been my desire, folks, ever since I got saved. I don't understand some of this crowd. They go about once every three months or either on Mother's Day or Easter sometime, and they say everything's all right with God. They don't care nothing about missionaries. They don't care nothing about supporting the church. They don't care nothing about anything. They don't care nothing about God's house. They don't care nothing about going with Jesus. Hey, this is where you're going to meet him, man. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there, there am I in the midst. Amen. Now, I believe, I believe when a person gets saved, they want to be faithful to the house of God, don't you? Hey, there's some good churches around. There's some still preaches the word of God. There's some still believe this book. There's some still put Jesus first. Amen. But this man wanted to go with Jesus. Look at verse 38. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. That's where you want to go, brother, when you get saved. You want to be where God's people are. But Jesus said unto him, verse 39, Return to thine own house and show how great things God had done unto thee. Amen. How great things God had done unto thee. Let me read that again. Return unto, return to thine own house and show how great things God has done unto thee. And he went his way and published it throughout the whole city. I think he put it in the Greenville News. I think he put it in. I think he put it in the Gazette there in the local community. I think he put it in the Picking Sentinel and everything else that they had. It said he published it. He might have got on WFBC or, or Channel 21 or somewhere or another CNN and published it there. Amen. But it says that he published it all throughout the whole city. How great things God has done to him. And I believe as we look at the testimony, and I was studying this passage of Scripture, I believe as we look at the testimony of this poor old pitiful man that used to be in such a bad shape, I believe that we too could say just like he said. Oh, listen, his hometown, according to Mark 5, um, yeah, Mark 5, it was Decapolis, and, and the Bible tells us he went back to his house and published it there. Now, I, I was thinking when I read this, and we looked at this testimony here, we could say the same thing, couldn't we? The Lord has done great things for me. Amen. I can justify. You know that's what we ought to still be doing. We ought to be telling people. I hear so much of this over my years and pastor, and I'm sure the pastor has too. Oh, you just don't know how hard it is to be a Christian. You don't know what we go through with over there. Oh, we have to go to church, and we have to pray, and, and the preacher wants to have a special prayer meeting. I just don't think I'm going to make it as a child. Of God. Hey, we ought to be saved. You ought to hear what great things he's done for me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I like to show my teeth, don't you? Smile a whole lot. Let people. I told somebody the other day, I'm, I'm 81 years old now, sister. Getting to be an old man, and I noticed I had a couple of white hair coming in there. <laughs> and I found one the other day. I looked at it, and I called Donna. My wife's name's Donna. I called her, and it was just as black as it could be. I said, come here and look. I found the gray hair. 
<laughs> Amen. It just tickled. It just tickled me because I found another great hair. But I, I think we ought to be telling everybody how good things God's yeah. done for us at the yeah. church. Ain't no need. Ain't no use to throw on the throw off on the house of God. Amen. I, I was reading. I was reading the other day, sometime back, really, uh, about about. Uh, I'm, I'm sure everybody heard about Charles Spurgeon, had you? Great man of God, many, many thousands of souls were saved under his ministry, just like just like Neil Moody and Charles Spurgeon and, and Wilbur Chapman and Jonathan Edwards, all those old men. They called it they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. We talk about the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Boy, I'd like to get baptized again in the Holy Ghost, wouldn't you? Just get him all over me. But I read a little thing about Charles Spurgeon. In fact, they called him the Prince of Preachers. One uh, once he said this. He said, "God's mercy is so great, oh that uh, that it forgives great sins to great sinners, and after great lengths of time, and then gives great." favors and great privileges and raises us up to the great enjoyment in the great heaven of the great God. I agree with him how great God is this morning. He's done great things for us, the children of Israel said. Amen. His mercy is so great. I was thinking, I was thinking as I was praying there all ago before I started in this thought this morning. You know, we, we seem like sometimes God, you do this. You do that. We want, hey, we don't have any right to tell God what to do. We don't have any right to command him anything. All the only thing we've got a right to this morning that he'd have mercy upon us. And we're all poor cry this morning. Amen. The children of Israel. This is what I wanted to look at. The children of Israel in Psalm 126 and verse 2. Notice it said, The Lord hath done great things for them. And then it says in this verse, in verse 3, Oh, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Whereof we are glad. They're going to, in, in Mount Sinai next Sunday, we'll have a revival this week with Brother Mark Stroud all week through Friday night, but uh, next Sunday I'm supposed to get up and tell some about the church. I was there as a little boy, only 11 years old, when the church was organized in 1949, but I'm supposed to tell some about the background of the church, and I do remember a little bit about that. In fact, God's still giving me a good memory, but I still remember a little bit about that, and I'm going to tell some about that before before I preach, but, but anyway, I'm supposed to tell something about, about this. And, but uh, that's going to be the banner that's on each side of the bad strip there. The Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we're glad. And this is what the children of Israel said. The Lord had done great things for us. Whereof we're glad. I can see this poor man as I was looking in my mind's eye that had been running wild as he as he looked back through the streets and he screams and he cries and, and where, he's wearing no clothes. The Bible said he's like some of the rest of this crowd in this world. He don't have any clothes on and he's about like them too. He screams and cries and does just exactly what he wants to do. He tells God's people you can't pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, little boys and little girls. He tells them, you know, you can't put law 
put on a memorial that uh, for the policeman and all kind of things, Brother Jimmy. But let me tell you something. There's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man's coming to the Father but by me. Hey, you don't get to God but through the Lord Jesus Christ. But they want to take everything away from us. But listen here. I, I got to get into the message, but God's putting a whole lot of things on the mind here this morning. But he went and published it throughout the whole city. I, I, want, I want us to look at verse 39 for our text verses, verses this morning. Let's use this whole word. I'm going to give you a topical message. It's very simple because that's not, I'm just a simple old preacher, just an old country boy. God saved, praise God, got into the family of God. But I want to give you the title for the message. You probably already figured it out. Great things the Lord has done for us. And I guess we could just put that in the singular and say, great thing the Lord's done for me. You can just put that where you want to this morning. May God add his blessings now to the message and may use it to get honored his name. There ain't no way under heaven this morning that I could I could name all the great things that God has done for me, much less us and our churches across this country, how that God has blessed us now. This is just elementary, but it's also great, too. So listen, you'll apply this to you this morning. I'd like to say, first of all, that the Word of God teaches us that God has and does right now, has loved us with a great love. Would you vow to that this morning? God's loved you with a great love. As we think of the little finite man of man, a mind of mankind, and we try to search out the great love that our great God has for us. this little feeble mind, brothers, that we have this morning. There's no way that we can search out how great God does love us. You know, it started with the little children. I was noticing there this morning that the little lady that was on the piano, that's just exactly what she, what she was playing. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. You know, it started when we were little boys and little girls, didn't we? I remember singing that when I was in the first grade. Amen. Many, many years ago, I was at the Bethlehem School. There used to be a school at the end of the street that goes on Country Club Road that goes by goes by Mount Sinai Baptist Church out that way. And right at the end of the street where it comes up Griffin Road, there was an old schoolhouse called Bethlehem School. I was in that school in the first grade for about five years, but no, I wasn't in there for five years, but anyhow, I was in that school for a while, and uh, but anyway, we had a teacher there. Her name was Miss Bessie Turner. I'll never forget it. We called we called her Miss Bessie. She was I was six years old, 1944. I remember very well, but I remember that dear lady back then. You know, we had there was a table in the front of where her desk was, uh, where she yeah, where her desk was at. There was a table out there, and uh, we. We had, uh, we had chapel, you know, every week in that old school. Had a big old Bible like you keep uh, in front of a church a lot of times on the table. Had a big Bible there. I remember Miss Tur- Turner. In fact, where they lived at over there near Cannon Mountain, that, uh, that road is still called 
turn the road. But anyway, I remember her calling us little snotting old kids up there one morning, and she wanted to, uh, us to learn a Bible verse. And she gave each one of us a different verse. I guess she gave us a different verse. But anyway, she gave us a Bible verse. I didn't know nothing about God. I didn't know nothing about God loving anybody. But anyway, when she gave me my verse, she wrote it out on a piece of paper and let me carry it home with me, Pastor. And that verse, you know what it was? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. I didn't know what it was for anybody to love me other than my family, my dad and mom. I'm sure that they loved me, but sometimes I didn't know where daddy did or not because he could really tan you hide. Mother was always so sweet to us and so precious. You know how a mother is, you boys. Oh, how precious they are to you. How great it is to have somebody to love you like a mother. But when I read that verse, Pastor, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant, but I learned that verse of Scripture, the very first verse that I ever learned. Now I know hundreds of them by heart. But I learned that verse of Scripture that day. And listen, I'd go around saying that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. I would say it over and over and over till I had it just branded in my mind. But I didn't know what it meant. I went through all those years until I was 21 years old, sister. I went to Kenan, to Mount Sinai Baptist Church that night, been in a fuss with my wife. Boy, I wanted to choke her. I, I did. I really I wanted to choke her. I didn't care about a thing about nothing. But I went to Mount Sinai Baptist Church, and there was somebody there bigger than me. Thank God. The Holy Ghost began to break my heart that night. And folks were, folks were walking those aisles and praising God. Boy, it does. It gets real around there sometimes, even now. But, boy, back then, and it was on fire, sure enough, for God. Past Peter Jim Lewis was the pastor there at that time. But God, the Holy Ghost, got a hold of me. I went down to the right side of that pulpit, got on my face in an old-fashioned altar. I received Jesus as my Savior. Pastor, I found out who God loves that night. Oh, I'm sure he I'm sure he loves the birds and the bees and all the all the animals and everything else because God is love. But let me tell you something. I found out, sister, that night that God loved me. God loved me. But I was looking at this passage of scripture and as I looked at it I couldn't understand the great love that God had for mankind to do what he did yonder on Calvary's cross. The Bible tells this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. It said, But God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his what? His great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. He said that not yourself. It's the gift of God, not of work, lest any man should boast. Brother, it was the great love of God that caused me to get out of that seat. God, the Holy Ghost, convicted my heart. Hey, he's no, the Bible tells us, he's no respecter of person. He'll save anybody that will allow him to save them. All you got to do is want to. All you got to do is receive him. 
If you want to, praise God, he'll save you according to the word of God. John, the beloved, you know, this is the authorized King James Bible and all of it. All of it is inspired of God. It's God-breathed. I used to see preacher Jim Lewis years ago when I was just a boy or a young Christian. I used to see him. He'd get down like I used to be able to run the aisles and, and holler and scream. Now I can't run nothing. I'd see him kiss that old book. I didn't understand that. I found out one day what it's all about. This is the best book in all of the world. Oh, it's where you get your life from, friend. you got to believe this book to get saved. John said this, Behold, behold, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. What kind of love was it? Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon that we should be called the sons of God. He said, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And then John said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him. What love! I wasn't fit to go to heaven. I wasn't fit to even read the word of God, rotten and ungodly, on the road to hell. But somebody loved me. Somebody loved me. God loved me. He loves you this morning. Do you hear in this building you don't know Jesus as your Savior? Dear friend, you're missing everything. And you will miss everything if you don't get saved. God's soul. So loved the world. That shows the greatness of it. So he so loved it. I was looking at different places last night after I got back from preaching up there. I was in my Bible and I was looking at different places where it shows the greatness and the magnitude and the bounty. I was looking at these words in the passage of Scripture containing how that He loves us. Ain't nothing like it. What a great love He loved us with. Jesus said this in John 15, I believe. Greater love hath no man than this. John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this than that a man lay down his life for his friends. I would, I would lay down my life for my wife, wouldn't you? And my children, my grandkids. And I've got friends that I might step out in front of a bullet car. I've got preacher friends. Boy, we've been close. And I've got church members that's already died. I would, I would have died for them. I loved them. They were, they were even closer than my family. Because most of my family, my brothers, they didn't know God. And boy, when you got a good Christian brother, you got somebody that will stick with you. But Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. 
But it says here in Romans 5 and verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, Christ died for us. Then he says, For scarcely for a righteous man one die, yet peradventure, or perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. Well, look at verse 8. But God, but God commendeth his love toward us. I could put me there. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were at sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Why, God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that was for me he died. Listen to me. The great price that he paid, the Bible tells us what it was. Yonder on Calvary. That was the price. I quoted the verse last night up at the church. When I was preaching. It said, What? Paul did to the Corinthian church. What? Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? And he said, you're not your own. You're bought. You're bought. You're bought with a price. And he said, because you are therefore glorified God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're not supposed to be our own. We're to give ourselves. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. It's, it's not supposed to be a, a thing that you're saying, man, I'm giving all this for nothing, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but he said, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Peter said, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. He's talking a bunch of Israelites here. He said, but through the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. There's the price. And we're bought with that price. And we as the children of God, we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. You know, we like to talk about the grace of God. We like to talk about the Lord coming and getting us out of this mess, and I'm glad for it. But the grace of God does more than just save you. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I'm glad he appeared. I'm glad it's to all men. I'm glad he didn't predestine me to go to hell and you to go to heaven, or me to go to heaven and you to go to hell. I'm glad that the Word of God tells us we are predestined to save people, to be conformed to the image of his Son. But let me tell you something here. He said, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly love, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Why? It's because in verse 13 he says, looking for that blessed hope and the 
the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what's wrong with our churches today, Pastor? We don't, uh, we don't look forward to the coming of the Lord. If we did, we'd do a little better, wouldn't we? We're not to worry about faithfulness of the children of God. We're not to worry about, boy, we're going to have enough money to make it this month. We need this. We need that. No, everybody pay their tithes if they're looking for Jesus. Because I'm not planning on carrying a thing with me. I ain't got nothing. But he loved us with a great love. Let me close. I got two or three more things. I'm going to close just in a minute. Not only does he love us with a great love, he saves us with a great salvation. I said... He saves us with a great salvation. Amen. Do you feel like salvation's great? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Be something to start letting people tell how great it is. And I mean, if you could just tell your mind and your heart how you do feel. The world don't think salvation's great. I didn't. I didn't think nothing about it. Did you preach before I got saved? I never thought nothing about salvation being the greatest thing on the face of the earth and in heaven and in hell or wherever it would be. It would be the greatest thing in all the world. <clears throat> the Bible tells us it is. He saves us for the great salvation. <clears throat> you try to, and I've seen a couple of these fellows. I've seen them tied down on the bed, urine everywhere, beam everywhere. Them screaming and saying, Preacher, don't let him get me. Preacher, don't let him get me. Tied on the old hospital bed and the old general hospital there in Greenville, I saw this one man tied on the bed, screaming as loud as he could scream. Before I got to the room, his dad had asked me to visit him, and he was screaming as loud as he could scream, and I didn't know who it was until I got down there. His name was Marvin. I'll not call his other name. He was tied on the bed, wet with urine, BM on the bed. Smelled awful. But he saw me. He knew me. And he started hollering, Preacher, don't let him get me. Preacher, don't let him get me. And I said, Marvin, who's trying to get you? Preacher, he never told me. He just said, don't let him get me. And he was trying to break those ropes off of him. I never saw him get saved. How many of y'all remember Paul Gillespie? I know you do, don't you? Paul Gillespie. Marie called me, his aunt called me one Sunday. Cold in February, I believe. Cold, six feet of wind blowing, spitting snow and ice. <coughs> I called him after I got home from church, <coughs> and I told him. I said, Paul, I said... I don't know who you are, but I said, you've got an aunt that loves you, and she wants you to get in church. He said, preacher, he said, just before you call, he said, I've got my shotgun here in the, in the room with me, and he said, I was going to blow my head off. And I said, no, Paul, you don't need to do that. He said, I've been drunk so long I can't get drunk. He said, I have drank and drank and drank, and I can't get nothing off my mind. 
He said, my wife's gone, my family's left me, and I don't have anything to live for. I mean, he's in a pitiful shape. I just saw him in his coffin up here a few months, two or three months ago, dead now. But anyway, I kept working with him, talking to him. He said, Preacher, ain't nobody wants me to come to church. I'm not coming. And I kept on. I said, No, Paul. I said, to, I didn't know where he lived a bit more than anything. But anyway, he, he wouldn't tell me where he lived. But at that time, but Brother Anthony, I kept talking to him, and he said, No. I can't come to church. And it was getting almost church time. We started at 6 o'clock in bad weather. And I said, I've got to go to church. I should have just left till I 10 to go to his house, but I didn't. God worked it out. But anyway, I got up there and I sat. We had a chair sitting here. I sat down in that chair. And Sister Marie was up singing. Oh, I can't forget the song she was up singing. His aunt was. Anyhow, but anyway, I looked back in the little vest vestibule there at Solid Rock, and I saw a man come in, and his hair was, well, not, not real long, but, but anyhow, his hair was long, and, uh, and boy, he, lo he looked pitiful, sure enough, poor as he could be. But anyway, I figured that's who it was, and I motioned for him to come on down, and I started to get up and go, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to be uh, that way, and Sister Marie sang and take off down the aisle, but anyway, a little bit, he come walking down that aisle. And anyhow, I said, Paul, I said, you need to get saved, don't you? He said, I do, preacher. He said, God can't save me. He said, I'm too weak. And I can't get saved. And anyhow, I said, yeah, Paul, you can. And Brother Anthony, I got down there in the floor with him on the left side over there. I got down in the floor with him, and I got down like this. And anyhow, Paul was, Paul was there upon his face, and I got to talking to him. And I showed him every verse in the Bible about people that was so wicked, you know, I showed him, I showed him over there in, in John 8 about the woman that was, that was, uh, that was uh, an adulteress and they wanted to kill her. I showed him about that woman at the well. I showed him about this fellow I'm talking about here, Sister Edith. And, and anyhow, uh, I said, Paul, I said, all you got to do is ask God to save you, forgive you of your sins. And just in a few minutes, old Paul said, preacher, preacher, God save me. Hey, Paul Gillespie got up out of that floor. And Sister Edith, if you can remember this, you might can. Paul Gillespie got more people in Solid Rock Church than the pastor did. I don't know how many of his family got saved. I baptized, in fact, we, we baptized 149 people while I was at Solid Rock, and they had the battery closed when we got there. But people made professions all through that community. I don't know what they're doing there now, but I know there were some people got saved. And I said all that to say this. Paul Gillespie was in a pitiful shape. Oh, my soul, vomit all over him, everything, everything that a drunk has. Paul Gillespie got saved. And he helped me and helped me and gave a whole lot of money and tried to do everything that he could. But you go tell Paul Gillespie today, I believe he's in heaven with all my heart. You go tell him, Paul, ain't nothing to it. There ain't nothing to this old salvation. No, I'll tell you something. God saves us with a great salvation. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. You tell that dear little woman there in Luke chapter 8 that was taken in the very act of adultery. Oh, she was to be stoned to death. They brought her and said Moses in the law. They brought her, the one that had been taken in the very act of adultery. They brought her before Jesus and said Moses in the law. He said, hey, she's to be stoned, but what sayest thou? Jesus didn't say a word. He just got down on the, on the ground there, and he wrote some of the word of God. I don't know what it was. In the sand, he might have wrote some of their names off. So how that they were guilty. But Jesus looked back at them and he said, He that's without sin, he said, Let him be the first to cast a stone. And the Bible said they began to leave from the eldest to the least. Amen. He looked at her and said, Where are those thine accusers? He said, She said, Lord, I have none. <laughs> Wasn't that something? They was wanting to kill her. But mercy, oh, mercy loves her. The Bible said that Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Hey, it's not right, dear friend, to sin after you get saved. It's not even right before. And he don't want us to. But here in this passage of Scripture, go tell her, ain't nothing to it. Ain't nothing to it. There he is. this demon possessed man I think we'll look him up when we get to heaven and what do you think about this thing called salvation you think it's great <laughs> guarantee you he'll walk out there and start telling it all over heaven how great things God hath done for me you're in this building this morning you may be feeling down in the mouth. You may be feeling like nobody cares for you. The Bible says, casting all thy care upon him, for he careth for you. It said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. You say, preacher, I've done too much. I've drank and I've cursed and I've, I've lived a horrible, nasty old life. The Bible says in Isaiah 1.18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Those be red like crimson, they'll be as wool. Don't matter how nasty you've been. Don't matter how ungodly and filthy you've been. He'll save you. Amen. You'll, you'll ask him to and you'll believe it. He'll save you. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the good liberty that I've had here. Prayer Baptist, thank you for meeting with us. I ask you now, Lord, to bless in this invitation. I don't know how anybody feels here this morning. I know very few of the people, but I'm glad that you know the very hearts of every person that's here. I pray as this invitation begins, Lord, that every person in this building may have a lost loved one, may have a lost son, a lost grandchild, may have a lost husband or wife. I pray, Lord, that everybody in here that has a loved one that needs to get saved, this will be the day they'll get on their knees before God and agonize in prayer. You want to help us. You want to save folks. John said this is the confidence that we have in him, 
that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and we know, we know whatsoever ask. We have a feeling. We have the petitions we desire of them. We're expecting you to do something, Lord. You're the only one that can. Have your way now. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' precious sake, amen. I want us all to stand. It's all right to give an invitation to pastor. Everybody to stand. You're here in this building, and I thought about it all through the message this morning. There's people in this building, no doubt, right out this morning. I can't plan it on my heart. I don't have any I don't have any seeing powers. But I'm sure there's people in this building. You've got a loved one that right now if Jesus comes, they're gonna be left here. They're lost without God. You've got a loved one that may die even today and go into eternity, lost without God. Never to have another opportunity to come to a church like Prayer Baptist like you do. But maybe you're here and you know that they're they're lost. And or you believe they're lost, you just like to come down here and get on your knees and pray for them. Maybe there's somebody in here in this building this morning, and you've got love. You've got a love one, and they used to walk for God. They used to live for God. They act like they love God, and you believe they did. And hey, you know that they're away from God, and they're they're just waiting on the very hickory from the hand of Almighty God to get a hold of them and chase them, them whip them into each of their life. And you you just want to come down this morning and say, Lord, I got, a, I got a son. I got a grandson. I've got a family member that they're as backslid as they can be. Lord, I don't want to see them get in such a pitiful condition. They'll be somewhere laying on their back for the rest of their life. Maybe you've got that this morning. Or maybe you're here this morning and you know, you're not walking as close to God as you used to be. You know this. If you have walked back from what you used to be, you've stepped back from how you used to live, you know you're not where you need to be with God. You just need to come down and get on your knees and say, Lord, here I am. And I'll guarantee you this. If you'll be earnest in your prayer, he'll forgive you and he'll put you back like the prodigal son. As this invitation, the song has been played, do you need to come? Maybe you've got somebody in your family. They're bad sick. You ask everybody to pray for them. Why don't you come down and pray for them? You see things that the church needs. Why don't you come down and pray for that? And then be your best to help get it. Anybody else needs to come? A good number of folks has been to the altar, but do you need to come? You're not going to be satisfied till you go back home. You're going to hate you didn't get where you need to be with God. Well, I, I appreciate the presence of God. Ain't it good that the big, great God we got met with us this morning? We, we, I, I know me. I'm not fit for anything. I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. And I preached and preached. But that don't make me no good. I'm just... I mean, in his sight, I'm, I'm, my righteousness, the Bible said, is as filthy rags. I'm not fit for anything. But look here where God's let me be today. Pastor, I'm going to hush. Amen. Appreciate that, brother.